Hello and welcome to a Waypoint Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to it. I'm doing today's reading, uh, and those of you who had advanced email will know that we we put the readings out and the, and the passage. And I I need need you to know that I look here today, and I stand in in, in great trepidation at the uh, life stage of, of this amazing church. And you need to know. Maybe you don't, but you need to know my heart is of hopefully of great sensitivity. And uh, I had the great privilege, I took Mark out for breakfast this week, and I was, really felt the Lord would have us look at this passage, which if just preached on in the raw, so to speak, might kind of give us all sorts of emotions and still may do. But I wanted to, to meet and chat with Mark about this. And I really felt the Holy Spirit was just wanting to encourage us between the balance today. What we're going to look at today is the balance. How on earth can we achieve a balance between sheer trauma or grief, but knowing that God is still in charge and knowing that there's still work to do. And I really wanted to kind of, uh, kind of assure you of that and we had a wonderful chat. I almost wish we'd have videoed our chat together, Mark and I, and just played it because we chatted about this. And the good news is Mark is not dead. Okay. And we had a wonderful chat about it, and I felt just a release of the Holy Spirit and an affirmation for him and for, for this passage today. So please hear this in the heart and the spirit that, that it is com- com- coming to you. And you'll understand why as I read to you. And then we'll just pray and then see what the Lord has to say to each of us. I pray today with open hearts, open Bibles and minds. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, Joshua 1.1. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you, give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Isn't that great? I will never leave you nor forsake you. We've heard that before, haven't we? I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong then and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. When God repeats himself, he means it, okay? He means it first time, usually anyway. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, a very common Old Testament phrase. That you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do. Meditate on it, not only meditation, but that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful in your kingdom pursuit. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What do we do next? Joshua thought. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, the leaders, go through the camp. Tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. 
But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they're a bit half-hearted. Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Numbers 32. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, the other side. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross overhead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them. This is about unity. Until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. As he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land, the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back, the other side. Occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered, what a brilliant members meeting this will be. They answered, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. I'll, give, I'll leave it there and we'll pray. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Lord, thank you. We don't have to guess. We have your word of truth, Lord. But uh, we acknowledge there are many people here, uh, Lord, where it's hard to penetrate their extreme emotion, our extreme emotion. So we pray in only, only the way you can, Holy Spirit, uh, that you, you would do what you do best, that you would come and help us. Would you reach the darkest recesses of our soul? Would you lift those who are sad? Would we be able to rejoice with, the, with those who rejoice? Lord, help us as your people. We have a kingdom purpose. So, Lord, might it be that your voice today is the only one that's left remaining in our hearts and we'll leave here more willing, more able to see you, to serve you, to love you, to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm constantly amazed, I don't know about you, as, as, as you read the Bible, at its capacity to completely comfort me yet completely challenge me at the same time. Someone once said that a good sermon or a good, a good message, whatever title you want to give that, um, is a bit like the Bible, that it should comfort the afflicted, but it should afflict the comfortable. There's always this kind of balance between, you know, I, I need to get comforted from the word of God, but I also don't want to be too comfortable that I can't move forward. And, and that's it. There's always a constant tension. I think in the believer's life, the person who follows Jesus, there's always a constant tension between the challenge and the comfort of God's word. And I pray always that we receive both today and in every message. But it can be really difficult in, in our challenging times now. It can be difficult when we're overwhelmed with, with what I would call reactive grief. And reactive grief is the kind of grief where we just simply are reacting and it doesn't make sense and, and, and a thousand explanations won't help because I don't want to hear it. And reactive grief is a really challenging but necessary reaction to when we're in trauma or trial or whether we're as happy as the seven dwarfs, whatever it might be. It's important that today, whatever position we're in, whatever our emotional console says, thinking of a couple of weeks ago, that actually we can understand each other's position. That we can, uh, I was speaking again to someone at the, at the door, that we can be kind to each other and understand. Because this immediate reactive grief, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's, it's kind of mixed with a concoction. If we mix that with our emotional intelligence, now, what our emotional intelligence is, it lags what we know to be true. So let's give you an example. I know Jesus is always with me, right? 
He said he would be. I believe that. So how come I get fearful and nervous in certain situations like this? How come we get worried about that, that situation? And what it is is our emotional intelligence always often lags behind what we know to be true in Scripture. And, and that's a kind of really dangerous place you can imagine. Our emotional intelligence, even though I know the Lord's got this church, we know the Lord's got a kingdom plan for us, our emotional intelligence says, oh, but what's going to happen now? And then our reactive grief to situations can be a dangerous cocktail where all of a sudden we're all over the place. Even if we've been following King Jesus for years, all of a sudden everything seems at sea, so to speak. And so that's a really difficult time to make decisions about anything. We know this, don't we, from grief counseling, that people say, you know, often maybe they lose a, a soul partner for years. And they think, oh God, this house is too big. You know, I need to sell my house. And people say, don't do anything for, for six months or, or whatever. Don't do anything. We'll see this when we start the book of Acts. The, in the book of Acts at the beginning, you might have noticed they lose a really good leader right away. Jesus is taken straight up to heaven. And they're in this reactive moment. Where's our go-to? And Jesus says to them, he doesn't say, well, go and change the world, disciples. He says, Wait. Wait, because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to teach you all truth and he's going to lead you into this next section. So I, I'm looking forward to how we start from that position and how we shadow the disciples. It's really so important for us now. But we saw this with David, didn't we? I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. King David, he was anointed from 1 Samuel 16. I mean, you know this because Saul had finished in 15. He'd just one step too far, but Saul was still the king. And we know that David was the king elect in 1 Samuel 16. And I'm so impressed because all the way through, David honors Saul. He says, I can't lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. And even in his death at the beginning of 2 Samuel, David is so honoring to Saul and to his friend Jonathan. But you see, in the beginning of 2 Samuel, even though David knows about the, he's going to be the king, he knows all this stuff, he collapses on the floor when he hears the news of the death of Saul and Jonathan. His reactive grief takes over. Now, all of his aides could have said, David, well, you've known this for months, for you know, ages, that you're the king-elect. What's the problem with you? Saul's died. It was meant to be. You were always meant to be the king. But you see, what I'm trying to say probably badly at this beginning is our reactive grief and our emotional intelligence can just wipe out all common sense when we're in a situation. Is that, is that okay? And so really what I'm, I would encourage us is to just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need to hear from you now. Not from clever, persuasive words, Paul wouldn't use them, but from the Holy Spirit himself. It can be so, so difficult. And so I just wanted to kind of frame our next few weeks, really, frame our whole approach as a church, if I gently could, just to be aware that our reactive grief and our emotional intelligence, which is catching up with what we know and love about the Bible and God's word, is going to take time, be kind to each other 
But you see, we saw a couple of weeks ago that it's about the importance of sadness, how sadness plays that role. And I want to encourage us today, whether we're grieving, whether we're hoping, because what I've entitled today, more in a sense more positively, and this is the balance I'm talking about, there is still work to do. Now, I want to use these uh, verses from Joshua. The book of Joshua is an amazing book. Now, you might think that a book that starts and finishes with a funeral might not be a great place for encouragement for us. At the beginning of Joshua, uh, Moses dies. At the end of Joshua, Joshua dies. But it's a source of amazing encouragement as we look in the book of Joshua. It's so important that we see these things and allow the Lord to speak to us. It's important that we're kind and gracious. And so, what we see at first here is that I love the way the Bible and the Lord says things as they are. Do you know it's important, however we flower things up, to say things as they are. We see that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I was chatting to Mark about this. And what God's not saying is, hey, that didn't matter about Moses. Forget that. Move on, Joshua. You know the rules. He's not saying that. He is saying, my kingdom work is still happening. My kingdom work is still going ahead. I love people who say it as they are. I read it. Usually it's the very, very young or the very, very old. And I'm sorry if I put an age limit on it. I don't want to, because that's really hot water. Keith.foster at waypointchurch.org.uk. But you see, the very, very young don't realize the implications probably of what they're saying, and the very, very old, I find, don't care about the implications of what they're saying. (laughs) I love that. I remember there's a program years ago called Children Say the Funniest Things. Anyone remember that one? Oh dear, if you were a parent. And the host used to bring the children on the platform, and they're five or six years old, and the parents were in the audience, nearly said congregation, were in the audience, Frightened to death about what their son or daughter would say about them. The host would ask these awkward questions. And you could see even the most atheistic parents praying, Lord, please. My mummy doesn't like my grandma. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, and they couldn't. Live TV, here we go. (laughs) When my mummy goes out, my dad gets this out. Oh, what? Finish the sentence. And the very elderly saints who are beautiful. Well, I got, uh, we, we uh, last church in Coventry, Leslie will remember this, we, I got, they were seeing three people potentially to be the pastor. It's a very unusual thing to do. Normally it's one at a time, you go on a process, and no, it didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, yeah, this one. There was three of us, and um, anyway, they, whatever bizarre reason, they asked me to go. And um, they'd had a members meeting about which ones and things they really wanted to call forward to you know, all sorts of things anyway forget that about the first or second Sunday I think Leslie it was first or second Sunday they decided to have a welcome lunch for, for us just to say hi meet the family it was great and we, it was one of those moments it was beautiful everyone was being polite and it's really lovely to see you we're really excited about what God is going to do and this lovely lady called Betty with the Lord now, one of the last funerals I did there, beautiful, beautiful lady. She was 87 when I joined, nearly 99 when I left. 
And Betty came in, and bizarrely, the whole atmosphere just dropped naturally. And she looked at me, never seen, she went, Oh, I thought we chose the other one. <laughs> I think I fell in love with Betty that day. And I remember even visiting in the last week of her life in hospital. Last week of her life in hospital. Beautiful lady. She was nearly 99. And you know, she was with five other people saying, God, come on. Betty, you get a telegram from the... And she spoke very loudly. Uh, very loudly. But lovely, beautiful, beautiful. Jesus witness. And I said, Betty, come on. Next year, you know, you get a telegram from the Queen. And she said, a telegram from the Queen? She says, I'm a daughter of the King. Right? I was, wow. But saying it as it is sometimes can be really tough. And it's so hard. And against the background of a, of a loss of a great leader, God says this. But do you know the encouraging thing? Don't miss it by jumping straight to the news. Because it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua. Do you know, in times of difficulty and challenge, the Lord's word will still come to us. The Lord said to Joshua, isn't it beautiful when we're in the darkest place, don't close your ears to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Lord's Word will come to you, and that's our guide and lead. The Lord said to Joshua, it's beautiful. Do you know when in the darkest times, I've said it before, of 1 Samuel, when the clergy were fraudulent and all sorts going on with Hophni and Phinehas, it's beautiful. But you know what's really sad? It's a really dark chapter. It says, the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There weren't many visions. You know, darkness is one thing, but a silent darkness is worse. And we have the word of the Lord, and it's beautiful. And so the Lord's word says it as it is. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now it's you and the people with the baton. And I just wonder, just think, just feel for Joshua at this stage, please. I wonder, it's easy to dehumanize leaders. Here's Joshua, we know him as a battle commander, right? Fearless, battle commander. This is who he is. So God says to Joshua, come on Joshua, it's your turn now. And he was raring to go. He's lost his mentor. He's lost his friend. The emotions, this tension of the comfort of God and the challenge of the new kingdom path must have been running riot. And can I just appeal to all of us, and I know you do this well, but please, for all leaders, never dehumanize leaders. They feel every email. They feel every telephone call and conversation and careless word. Everyone. It is so hard in the tension for everybody. But God's word may not always be welcome, but it's always true and to the point. Moses, my servant, is dead. But this is just not your issue, Moses. It's not about you, Joshua. It's not just about you, because get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give you. Don't forget, Joshua, it's my battle. I'm about to do this. So, God says it as it is. His word says it is. But we, in order to keep going, I hear what you're saying, Lord. 
I'm in this reactive and grief and emotional intelligence. It's running riot. We need God's presence and power to be able to move forward. Jesus told us, didn't he, John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. And we see in 3 to 5 that we need God's presence and power. You know, we, we can know we've heard from God. But you see what the Lord says? I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from a desert to Lebanon. And so we see here, it can be easy to forget whose the battle is. You know, even Joshua, in a couple of chapters' time, so in chapter 5, will forget whose the battle is. He's at the end of chapter 5, remember, he's about to go into Jericho and he meets the Lord himself, the commander of the Lord of hosts. And Joshua, like a really good start when we're worshipping, is on the floor before the Lord. And it's a natural question, whose side are you on, theirs or ours? And the Lord says, neither. I love that answer. This is mine. Joshua, I'm commissioning you. Don't forget, with all your skills as an army officer, as a commander, that this is my battle. In fact, you can put those swords down. I want you to march around Jericho and do things my way. Is that okay? That must have killed Joshua. Because sometimes we have to put down these things and say, no, Lord, I'm going to leave it. I want your strategy. I want your strategy. And what happens is God says, every place I'm going to give you, And he lays out the exact territory. So can you see a pattern here? God gives the commission to go, and then he lays out the territory. Your territory, in verse 4, will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country. There's going to be a pattern here. I think our commander's done something similar. Go into the world, make disciples of all nations, you should be my witnesses, Acts 1, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. And God here in Joshua 1 says, and I will be with you always. Jesus says, I will be with you always. There's always a pattern. Jesus uses Yahweh language all the way through. Don't miss it because we just read the New Testament. God's commission, God's geography, God's promised presence. Great commission, Joshua 1, the same. It would not have been lost on those first disciples. And so often we see God, Jesus himself, projecting all of the promises in the language of the Old Testament and what, how God uses and speaks and, and addresses his people. Jesus adopts that and projects it onto himself and says, I'm still your God and this is your commission. I hope you've got that. I hope we're good on that. Sorry. Because it's so important to realize we're part of a grander kingdom project. So Acts is called our kingdom purpose, not the purpose of the local church alone. And this is so important for us. And God points to his previous activity in verse 5. I love this really. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. See, whenever you can't hear God, is anyone struggling now online or now to hear God in the situation you find yourself in, whether it's at work or home, in church? Just... Think back to God's previous activity in your life. As he was before, so he shall continue. The Lord still got us. He really has. It's so key. And you know, if we're vulnerable, we're vulnerable. Do you know, can I tell you that? I often cry when I speak. If the Holy Spirit does something, it's not a show because it's overwhelming. Do you know, someone once said to me, Keith, you can be a bit vulnerable. You know, we want a leader that's, you, you know, it's great. We like it, you know, the vision's good and that. But sometimes maybe you're, 
bit too vulnerable, you know, maybe we need someone a bit, you know. And my answer wasn't the most pastoral answer. Sorry. I said, I know. I said, it's a bit like Gethsemane. Doesn't it ruin the gospel? (laughs) Jesus collapses in the garden and says, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. If it can all be possible, can it be taken from me? I mean, he set his face toward Jerusalem at the beginning of the gospel. When Peter said, that's not going to happen to you, he said, get behind me, Satan. Don't we just need Jesus to charge through the whole thing? Is it okay for leaders or whoever we are to collapse and say, Lord, this is overwhelming? Is it okay? I'm glad Gethsemane is in the garden. That, that gives me permission. I'm so glad. And we were good friends, by the way, so it was all good. And he kind of went, ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> but you see here that we need God's presence and power. I will never leave you, the second part of verse 5, nor forsake you. Isn't it great we have the great commission as well today? Go into the world, this is the geography, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, said Jesus. But you know, if, if we're going to do that, even though we've got presence and power of the Lord, it will take courage and obedience, you see, in six to, six to nine. So the Lord says, at least three times, the Lord says directly in this passage, be strong and courageous. Can I say, when God says something three times, he's really making a point. I would say watch out for isolated texts of guidance. Really be careful. God is patient and will get through to us, whether you're called to ministry or a move or whatever God's doing with your home or whatever it might be. God will get through to us. But you see, even though he says be strong and courageous in six and in seven and nine, you see, courage alone is not enough. It has to be coupled with obedience. So we see this. There we are in, in, with seven Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Meditate on this word. Day and night. Verse 8 as well. You're going to need courage, Joshua, but I'm going to be with you. Be careful to obey, verse 7. But meditate on this word. It's not just your own thoughts. It's about my word in and through you. So we see in verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Does that remind you of anything? Meditate on the law day and night. Then you will be successful and prosperous. Not in the way you think. What about if I say something like, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, for on his law he meditates day and night and he will be like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season. Very common. Meditate on this, not to the left or right, and then you will be fruitful for the king and kingdom. All the way through. It's beautiful. Isn't this a beautiful book? I wish it was like a proper Bible in my hand, but this is easy. Flick it through. See, God's intentional with his comfort and his word to us. And so, but it's got to be an intentional uh, meditation so that you may be careful to do. The second part of B, verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do. Careful to do everything written in it. You know, if, if we can do this, 
if we can say, Lord, speak to my heart. Lord, I'm going to need courage. I'm going to need your presence. Lord, I want to obey. And I need your word to instruct me, Holy Spirit of truth, to come and open it out for me as I step forward with our decisions and as a church and as an individual. God is so good at this. As I often say, he has got previous. He's brilliant. And so we see in nine as we move on, they have to be commanded. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You know, can I just say this is a really good tip when we read a command in the Bible, if I've said it before, sorry, but it's helpful. If ever we read a command in the Bible, it's because we do not naturally do it. You don't have to be commanded to do anything we naturally do. Whenever we see a command, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't do this. Make sure it's because we do not naturally do those things. We have to be commanded to do them. It's a bit like in Mark chapter 5. Remember Legion? He'd been self-harming and living in the tombstones for 38 years. And Jesus heals him. It's amazing. And he automatically says, can I come with you? It's so natural to want to be with God's people. But he has to be commanded to go back to the people. No, go back and tell them what I've done for you. It's so natural to want to huddle. So we don't have to be commanded to do things we naturally do. But don't be discouraged, says the Lord. Don't be afraid. And all of this then, as the Lord comes, his word comes, isn't it beautiful? Remember where we started with the death of Moses? And the Lord is just gently trying to lift the vista to kingdom possibility. When I chatted with Mark this week, this is what we talked about and said, isn't it that tension that it's never like it's all grief one week, all encouragement the next. There's an incredible mix all of the time. And it can be minute to minute. It can be minute to minute where I'm comforted, but Lord, I know you are still working. Church, the, work, the Lord is working. He has not dropped you. He has not dropped Mark and Kathy. He has not dropped this amazing church that has been ministering for, for years and years in this community. The king is on the throne. He's coming back. Come on. He loves you. Lift up our eyes to the hills. Because what it then does when we just slowly lift, even maybe through the tears, I don't know, maybe through joy and excitement and the courage and obedience, it then leads to a plan we see finally. Good word, isn't it? 10 to 16. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. It started with the leaders. And he reminds them it's the Lord's battle in 11. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready three days from now. You will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving you. I will, says the Lord. I will, I will, I will. Count how many times the Lord in this 16 verses. I'm going to. I will. I'm going to do this. The battle belongs to the Lord. Of course, an exciting account of people saying yes, whatever and wherever. wouldn't be the same without those who don't want to do it, 12 to 15. Now, we haven't got time today, but if you read Numbers 32, there were two and a half tribes. I'm to work that out. Two and a half tribes. Back in Numbers 32 said, we don't want to do this great land possession project, Moses. We want to settle in our own part of the land. Moses went mad. Just read it. Numbers 32. Absolutely. I think his words would have still been ringing in their ears now. So Joshua doesn't have to say very much. Do you remember when Moses had a little chat with you? He says here. It says here, 12 to 15. 
To the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Well, basically, in a paraphrase, we need you now, though, fighting men, to help us out. Put your own project down just for five minutes and get involved in the kingdom project. Focus on God's things first. Jesus said that, didn't he? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And so we see here that even though there's reluctance in the camp, that even those people say we need unity above our own projects, above our own emotions to be back over the other side. And can I say be kind? Could unity win the day? Might it be that our commander, King Jesus, whose battle is his, could just lead us into triumphant procession? He has so got this. I am going to bring this down. And the lovely response, a dream response. In 16, the people responded, whatever and wherever. Wow. You see, God's word will comfort us. It'll challenge us. We need to keep this in healthy tension. Look out for each other. Help each other with our reactive grief and emotional intelligence that always lags to gain perspective, God's perspective, but knowing that there is still work to do with all our heartache, with the excitement of a kingdom project. You see, we'll see his call and promised presence, but our part is courage and obedience. We remember that the battle is his, knowing that the God of turnaround will be with us, leading us into the next chapter of our lives. So our part, what is it? Like verse 16, is to be willing and available. Say, Lord, whatever's happened, whatever and wherever, Lord, I know you're going to be with us as you was with Moses. Lord, I'm going to trust you. And so to work through the pain, again, to be kind to each other, to ultimately watch God work in and through even us. Isn't that great? Can I just pray in some ways the prayer of Elisha, you might remember, the prayer of Elisha for his overwhelmed servant surrounded by the armies of Aram. Elisha's servant was overwhelmed completely. And this is what Elisha prayed for his servant back in Kings. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed this prayer. It's not a bad prayer. Open his eyes, Lord. Could I say, open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Be assured, Waypoint Church, that those who are for us are greater than those who are against. I want to finish with the exhortation of Jude to a struggling, persecuted church that needed to know. See, in Jude, see the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones. He's coming back soon. But you, dear friends, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. 
save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy, be kind. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great exceeding joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Isn't that great? Can we have just a bit of silence? Let's have a bit of silence in prayer. And then I'll pray, and then we'll lead in. Oh Lord, Lord, we acknowledge that our emotional intelligence and our reactive grief can play havoc. And you say, wait, as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. Be strong and courageous. This is my battle. I'm coming with thousands and thousands of holy ones. Keep yourself in my love. Be merciful. Be kind. Save others, snatching them from the fire. I can keep you from stumbling and present you before the Father's glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Thank you, Jesus, our only Savior. Thank you. We give you the glory and the majesty and the power and authority. And we say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We can't do this, but you can. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come make sense. We thank you, Lord, that we can lift our vista now and face and know our kingdom purpose. And Lord, we pray. We pray for Mark and Kathy, Lord. We thank you for their ministry. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry that they've done, uh, given here for many years, 18 years. Lord, for Gordon Skip, David Clarks, for Mark and Kathy. And Lord, we do not, as Paul could say to the Philippians, I'm sure, and that was the case as I chatted with Mark. Paul could say to the Philippian church, I don't want my labor to have been in vain. So Lord, might it be that now with the baton, we move forward, we grieve, we're comforted, yet Lord, we're encouraged and we take up the fight for your kingdom purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna have a time of communion. Can I just say, one of the, um, if you don't mind guys, just one of the things when we was in the Falklands War was that your class of engineers went onto different ships. And so whenever a, we lost a ship, the first thing you would do is look they had the service number and they have a list of the people who fell. And you would look at those nearest to yours and you'd be looking for names that you recognized from your training. And then you'd stop at a name you knew. And what we didn't do at any cost, we didn't say, well, we're all gonna turn around right now and go home because this is too hard. We're gonna carry on for these guys because their labor's not in vain. And we need to carry on for Mark and Kathy and for all of us. Let's not dehumanize leaders or anyone else. Let's just do this. Because Jesus has paid the supreme sacrifice and Graham's going to take us through that.
Lord bless and keep you. Let's do this together and be kind. In Jesus' name, thank you so much.